Well, good morning, folks. Good morning. Uh, lovely to see you all and looking around the church. I'm going, this is a wee bit more like it. It's good to see uh, more of you back in worship this morning. Uh, many of you after maybe some, some time away, it's great to, great to see you back again. Um, Ernie's going 10 rounds with the sound desk, I think, this morning, so you'll have to forgive us if uh, it's a wee bit boomy. We're trying to work on that as we speak. Are you hearing okay at the back? That's great. Okay, we'll try and get the levels adjusted as we go through the service. But it's great to, to see you all here this morning. I think most of you have been back in some shape or form, and you'll be tired of me saying this, but for the sake of those of you who haven't, uh, flip over the wee card in front of you that just lets the cleaners know which uh, pews have to be done. Thank you for wearing your masks as we're singing. We'll leave through the vestry door, and the collection plate is just behind us here uh, as you leave. So it's lovely to see you all this morning. Great to have the worship group, such as they are, uh, back uh, and, and playing again. It's lovely to hear your instrumentation and your singing this morning. And the one that they were practicing uh, just a few months ago is the one that we're going to begin our worship with this morning. Uh, hymn 196. Come, now is the time to worship. So let's worship God together as we sing.
So let's come. Let's come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Once more we come to worship Lord, bringing the burdens of our week and its blessings into this place of meeting. The special place that we call our church. Thank you for the vision that looked at an empty field and saw a church built for your glory. Thank you for the vision that saw foundations laid, stone set upon stone and wooden frames rising, lead and glass opening to the sky to welcome the daylight in. In time and with dedication, this sheltering space was formed and filled with memories, and tears, worship and gratitude. And yet what makes this place holy is nothing to do with stone and mortar, furniture and furnishings. It's the intentions of our hearts that make this a place of worship. Our willingness to meet with you in the hallowed spaces of our own hearts, whatever condition we find them in this morning. Without that intent, no worship will take place here today. With that intent, there is no place or time where we cannot meet you. For worship is never contained within buildings or ceremony or geography. Worship, as you told the woman by the well, is all about spirit and truth, the spirit of God brooding over and changing the truth of our lives. So this morning, as we revisit the story of this woman's encounter with Jesus one last time, we ask that you'd stir within us the same embers of revelation that the spirit stirred within her heart and mine. Show us how truly we are loved. Inspire us with a new sense of the person you can help us become. Convict us of the things that we need to take up or to change or leave behind if we are truly to follow you. And empower us to do so by your spirit. So may this be an hour of meeting. This place, the well of Christ. And may we know our hearts refreshed as we drink of the living water that he promises to everyone who seeks it. So hear our prayers because we ask them all in his name, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now this is the third Sunday that we've preached on this same passage. So rather than listening to it again uh, from the, the scriptures, I thought we would see it today 
Um, there's a new um, telling of the story of Jesus called The Chosen. And I haven't seen much of The Chosen, but the bits that I've seen I have really, really liked. So today we're going to watch this little episode as it's told by uh, the people who pulled together the series that's called uh, The Chosen. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out new, in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Wrong story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. 
Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank Him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. <sighs> and you know these things, because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. <laughs> I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. Everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> I hope you managed to make out the sound. I know it can be difficult in an echoey building, but there were the subtitles too. But if you if you couldn't make it out, it's really worth watching that clip at home on YouTube. If you just Google the chosen woman at the well, uh, you'll find it there, and you can maybe watch it again.
Well, we're going to sing uh, again. It's hymn number 722. Spirit of God, come dwell within me. Let's take a moment to pray now. Let's pray. Rising to save his people. Lord, if we think we don't need saved, then we're in the wrong place. We know that we do. There's so much within our lives that uh, disturbs us, that worries us, that makes us feel guilty or carry regrets. So much that is yet unfulfilled in our lives. We need saved from these things. We need saved from the wrongs we do and the wrong attitudes that we hold. And we need not just saved from those things, but led into the fullness of all that you have for us. The flip side of that coin. All the things that you want to draw us into. All the ways that you want to mature us 
so that we become more of the people you would have us be. And Lord, we are all on that journey, for none of us have arrived. So we pray that as we attend to your word today, that your spirit will speak to us, that we'll know what you're saying to us, and that we'll go away this week with something to work on, not just by ourselves, but with your spirit at our sides. So hear our prayers, because we ask them all in Christ's name. Amen. At the time that today's story was written, and for a long time after that, if you wanted water, you couldn't just turn on a tap. You had to go to the village well. And if you have to fetch water, the chances are you will bump into people doing the same thing. And so for that reason, in the ancient world, wells became the local pit stop where you would meet, you would slake your thirst, you would gather what water you needed for the chores, but you would also have a bit of a news while you were there. You came to the well to draw water, but you also came, came to share a crack. Bad news, good news, rumours and gossip. So for the people of Sychar, the well was like the corner shop, the school gates, and the beachside coffee shop all rolled into one. And that's why, as you will hopefully have picked up from the video, that's why this anonymous woman arrives at the hottest time of the day when it's least likely to be crowded, because she was always the breaking news. The public nature of her disgrace allowed others to make the kind of comparisons that left them feeling good about themselves. You know the kind of thing, well, whatever's gone wrong in my life, at least I'm not as messed up as she is. That kind of thing happens all the time in every human society. We focus on other people's mistakes and bad decisions to draw attention away from our own feelings. We turn certain folk into a dumping ground for our disapproval while quietly congratulating ourselves that we're not quite as bad as they are. The tabloids in our day and age have that kind of vilification down to a fine art. But the thing itself is as old as the hills. And it has a name. It's called scapegoating. That word itself comes from a religious practice in the Old Testament. As part of the ceremonies around the Day of Atonement, the priest would take a live goat, place his hands upon its head, and confess over it all the sin and rebellion of the nation. The goat would symbolically take the nation's sin on its head and it would then be tied up and led out into the desert and left in a solitary place as a symbol of that sin being removed from Israel. Over time, the original sense of that word has been lost and today a scapegoat is just generally understood as a person or a group of people who have been singled out for hatred and blame. For the fascists in 1940s, it was the Jews. For the Americans in the 1950s, it was the communists. For white supremacists of all eras, it's people of colour. 
For the ancient Jews, it was the Samaritans. And with the Samaritans in this village, it was a woman who had five broken relationships and was on to her sixth. There's something within our nature, an ugly thing, that predisposes us to making scapegoats. And sometimes scapegoating can even bind opposing groups together in a common hatred. That's the kind of thing that we see in the Gospels. When the Herodians and the Pharisees, who were sworn enemies in Jesus' day, united around a plan to have him killed. And it was there again when the Roman governor, Pilate, and the Jewish king, Herod, became friends as they passed Jesus between them like a bloodied rag doll after his arrest in Gethsemane. The Bible knows all about that kind of scapegoating. And when Jesus sees it around him, he never goes along with it. He never lets it lie. Instead, he takes people as he finds them, willfully disregarding the labels that the world has slapped on them because he has other ways he wants to name them. He wants to name them as known by God, valued by God, beloved of God, forgiven by God. Now, the woman who came to draw water knew none of that that day until this encounter with Jesus at the well. She'd become reconciled with living in the margins and being the scapegoat. It's never easy to belong to a minority of one. After a while, when everybody treats you like a bad smell, you don't want to linger too long in the company of others because all you can see reflected in someone else's eyes is your own brokenness, your own guilt, your worthlessness declared in the silent accusation of a stare. And for her, the well was where all of that came home day after day. The snubs, the whispers, the smiles and the greetings she gave that were never returned. And so she started coming later and later and later just to avoid the pain. What she didn't know, or may just have forgotten, is that in the Bible, Wells are also places where love is shown. Love blossoms at wells. In Genesis, Abraham sends out one of his servants to find a good wife for his son Isaac. And the servant prays, O God of my master, Abraham, make things go smoothly this day. As I stand here while the young woman of the town come out to get water, let the girl to whom I say, lower your jar and give me a drink. May the one who answers, drink, and let me also water your camels. Let her be the woman you've picked out for your servant, Isaac. And sure enough, Rebecca answers that prayer and she becomes the beloved wife of Isaac. And it's at a well that Isaac's son Jacob first meets Rachel and falls deeply in love with her. It was at a well that Moses first met Zipporah, who he was later to marry. So in the Bible, wells are meeting places 
where love can grow. And it's in a well that Jesus makes the love of God for this woman real by untying the scapegoat noose around her neck and setting her free. He met her that day with a love unlike any she had known after a life where five men and now a sixth had taken what they wanted from her before finding fault or deciding that it wasn't enough. A life where high hopes of love and contentment had been slowly eroded by the abrasion of successive failures, leaving her worn out and jaded and resigned. And I love what Jesus does here. He doesn't condemn her, but he gently confronts her with her thirst for love and meaning. The thirst that's never been fulfilled in any man. And he says, there's a reason for that, dear woman. You were made for God before you were made for any man. That's the thirst that you need to quench. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will become a deep spring within gushing fountains of endless In his book, Drawn into the Mystery of Jesus, John Vanier takes us into the heart of what's going on in the story of the woman at the well. He writes, if we drink from the fountain of God's love and compassion, we become a fountain of love and compassion. If we receive the Spirit of God, we will give the Spirit of God the life that we receive is the life that we give. Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well and against all the odds, a deep love overflows into her life that spills over and is shared with the whole village. A day that began with this woman as a scapegoat Labelled and cast out ends with her ministering to the very folk who turned their backs on her as she leads them to the waters of life. This story is telling us that the more you drink in the life and the presence of Christ, the more you yourself will become a spring of love and compassion for those whom life brings alongside And in a way, a church is like a well that's dug deep into a community. Although it's often forgotten about or taken for granted, a parish church can be a well of love where people come to quench their thirst. Their thirst for meaning, for friendship, for strength, for patience their thirst for welcome and wonder, for grace and mercy and peace. A parish church can be a well where forgiveness is drawn, 
where needs are owned and named, where acceptance is offered and life finds wholeness again. So today, we have gathered at an ancient well, the well that we call church. And part of the reason that church continues in our age is the abiding sense that what's spoken of here, however falteringly, is something that we need and long for and miss. Church. Somewhere rumored to have once been a well where people came to drink and found that their thirst was slaked. We need that vision of what it means to be church. So badly in these uncertain days, people are tired and they're thirsty. They need healing. They need guidance. They need friends. Is it possible that here in the church, in the company of Jesus, we might find everything we need to water all that's parched within us and have it blossom into life? Despite all the evidence at times to the contrary, I think it is possible because the overlooked, often forgotten well of a little church like ours is sunk into the vast aquifer of God's plenitude. And that well contains nothing less than the water of life, the love of God waiting to be drawn out and known and experienced and savoured. So in this hour that we have together, and in the quiet moments that we fashion for ourselves in our everyday lives, may we drink deep and long of God's loving presence and know our soul satisfied. And when we sense that same thirst in others, the thirst that the world can't quench, May God help us lead them to the well and to the one who waits for them there to give them the living water that their souls thirst for. Amen. Our next hymn is number 550, As the Deer Pants for the water and will remain seated to sing this one.
Linda Anderson is going to lead us now in our prayers for others. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, let us look steadfastly unto you and run the race with patience that is set before us all. Help us to look less to material things of this world and help us to follow the teachings of your Son, Jesus Christ. Strengthen our faith and by the way we conduct ourselves in everyday life, be good disciples for you. Let your unconditional love sustain us, that we in turn can pass on that love to others, to quench their thirst for the love with which God alone can bless us. Help us to banish our unbelief in times of perplexity and keep us true to our duty to you. If in recent times, due to COVID-19, we have not ventured out into our community. Give us the courage to do so again. Teach us to walk by faith each day and help all those who cannot trust you that they will find strength and peace in your love. Help our government to work for the good of all at this very troubled time in our world. People who are in this desperate need such as those in, Af in Afghanistan who are in great distress and trying to flee from the situation in their own country. Be also with the people of Haiti who once again have been left homeless by an earthquake and a violent storm. We pray for all those in our parish who have been bereaved and those struggling with illness at this time. Give them comfort as only you, O Lord, our can. Be with our minister, Paul, Rona and family, as they embark on a new winter session in Belhelve. Our loving Heavenly Father, who is our refuge and strength, we give thanks for your presence near us at all times. We give thanks for your knowledge of our weaknesses and fears. And we give thanks above all for Jesus Christ's victory over fear, sin and death, and who is ever ready, calling us to share his victory. We also give thanks for the many blessings you have bestowed on us here in the Western world, and for how the NHS has been able to supply us with vaccine against this worldwide pandemic. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, we ask for your continued love and care of us all. Amen. Thank you, Linda. We're going to finish today with um, a video hymn. It's uh, one that's called Living Waters. It's a new one to me, uh, probably a new one to you, but I thought it'd be good to, uh, to hear something new as we finish the service today that tied in with the theme that we were thinking about. So. Um, once the song has started, I invite you to stand, and as you begin to pick up the tune, then please do join in. So this is called Living Waters. I 
Now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.